We are, uh, we're, we're in a series uh, where we're looking at what, what could our, our, our new church, and I mean new, like we've been meeting just like regularly for uh, a few months now, what could our new church learn from the first church? Just as we've been talking as a group, we've been looking back at the, how, how God kicked off the first church, and we're just like, man, is there anything about how they gathered, anything about what was important to them that we need to reclaim, and is there anything that um, what, it, what it would mean to have a fresh expression of what God's up to in Oakland, um, that what can we learn from the first church that needs to be part of how, how we do things. So, um, so we're, today we're talking about uh, when it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and, uh, and more on that, but first, because I'm, I'm a dad, I, just, I have to show you the cute baby photo. This is Jonathan. He's five months old. Um, he's not that big in real life. That's... Um, that would be a nightmare. Um, yeah, yeah, that would be, yeah. Can you imagine those diapers? I don't even, let's not think about that. So, um, but Jonathan, he, I mean, that's, that's standard for him. That wasn't like the rare smiley pick. He, he's a pretty happy guy almost all the time, uh, which is great because when, when Sarah was pregnant with him, so many people would be like, oh, kid number two, get ready. He's going to be a psycho. And you're just like, why would you say that? That's, <laughs> That's so mean. Like, I, 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 we put ourselves out there again. Yeah, we're going to bring life into the world one more time, and that's what you have to say to me? That's your, that's your advice? Wow. So we're not friends with those people anymore. But, um, but actually, but Jonathan, he's, 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 he's really chill. And um, if you just pay attention to his fussing, which is honestly so minimal, his fussing, if you just pay attention pretty quickly, you know he needs one of four things. Um, he wants some FaceTime with you, or he needs a diaper change, or he's tired or he's hungry. You just try one of those four things, and usually he's like, yep, you guessed it. Good job, Dad. Um, there's times when it's just me with him and no Sarah, and if he's hungry and Sarah's right there, like, no problem. We'll, we'll take care of that right away for you, buddy, but um, if it's just me with him, you really want to stay ahead of the hunger um, because there, there are milk bottles in reserve in the fridge and in the freezer, but uh, Jonathan, he's a man of, of refined tastes and there's a certain temperature he really likes. And uh, it takes a few minutes to get things to the right temperature and in the bottle. And Johnny doesn't have time to wait on me. And so on my phone, um, Sarah's created the schedule for when Johnny normally wants to eat and nap and everything. And this schedule is my baby Bible. I, if, yeah, I, I will never, never leave home without it. Because uh, if I take too long in, to, to get Johnny uh, to, to eat in his baby brain, he thinks he's going to die of starvation. He's thinking this is my last day on earth. He's letting me know I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry right now. And there's no, there's no grace. There's no window for, for me. So uh, from the day he was born, we, we, we have never had to force feed Jonathan ever. He craves milk. And, uh, and I have a theory that when the disciple Peter um, wrote this letter to the churches, I think he must have become a dad recently because he's definitely got milk on the brain. Um, he says this, he says, Let, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. It's even funny if Johnny's uh, drinking milk, he even is just like, mm, mm. Mm, he makes the yummy noises. So that's where I go when I think of, you've tasted that the Lord is good. He's like, oh yeah, thanks dad. Thank you very much. But, but Peter, Peter wants us to crave this relationship and this connection with God. Like a baby with their mama, he's saying crave and taste and be nourished so that you grow. 
grow little babies, grow is essentially uh, what, what Peter's getting at. And, and, and when, we're, when, we, uh, when we were spiritual babies, or maybe that's where, where you're at right now, um, it's probably been your experience that there are Christians who will go, oh, you're new to this. Okay, so what you need to do, you need to read the Bible. You got to read it every day, and you should read it in the morning. You should read it when you're on BART. You should read it just like all the time. If you, you know, get this Bible app, I highly recommend it. Here's a, you know, here's a great translation for you, whatever, but they're like, read it, read it, read it. Uh, all the time, and and maybe, maybe you tried that, and um, it probably took discipline. It probably took some focus, um, but you maybe you'd get up early, and first thing you crack open your Bible and you, you start reading uh, this. You start reading this book, and uh, you read it often. You read it a lot. Uh, for a lot of us, that was our experience at the very beginning as a as a baby Christian. And and if that was your experience, I'm really glad that it was, um, because you know, you you what happened is you you gained this base of knowledge that now you can draw from as you keep, you keep growing. And instead of just going off of what other people say about, you know, what it means to follow Jesus, you actually go, no, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm getting familiar with this myself. And it probably took focus, probably took discipline. Um, but maybe, honestly, there, maybe there's been times when it felt like a chore uh, or a checklist. Where, oh, yeah, I got to do that thing, you know. Um, but when I first, when I, when I read the scriptures, I, I see a big difference from how the first church read the scriptures and it doesn't seem like it was a chore or a checklist, at least not at the beginning. Uh, Acts 2.42 says this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they, they were devoted to this, this learning and growing together. But, but more than that, you know, in the language of, of, of Peter, it's like there was this craving for it. It wasn't a forced thing. It was this desire, like a newborn craving milk. Um, think back on your own life, your own story, even where you're at right now. Can, can you remember times when reading the Bible was a craving, where you're just like, I, this, is, this is just drawing me in. I'm so inspired. I'm so fired up about what I'm learning right now. And you just, you're just like, what, what else? What else? Keep, keep it coming. I wanna, can you remember times when it felt like a craving? Maybe even that's recent. Maybe that was in the past. And then uh, can you remember times when it felt like a chore? Can you remember times when it felt like a checklist? Oh, yeah, I should probably do that. That, that thing. Uh, who, who would say lately it's, it's been kind of a checklist item? Anybody? Thanks for being honest. All right, cool. Who, who would say, honestly, it's kind of great. It's, it's, been a cra- it's been a craving. Is anybody, that's where you're at right now? Sweet. Awesome. Awesome. Um, we, we see this craving for the Word of God in the early church, and, and it really makes sense in light of what's happening uh, in their part of the story, because Jesus told them his, his last words. He said, I want you to teach others. Uh, this is what he said. It says, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So he said, teach them, teach them what I did. Teach them what I said. Why? So that they can obey me, so that they can imitate me, so that they can become just like me. And nothing motivates you to learn the way of Jesus like knowing that you're going to have to teach it to somebody else. You're like, man, I better, I better know like, what I'm talking about here. Um, and uh, this, this, is, this is the adventure today that I want to talk about. This is the adventure of the Christian life, is teaching other people the way of Jesus. Learning the way of Jesus and teaching it to other people. This is, this is the adventure for us to step into. And this is something that Jesus has called all of us into. 
All of us are called to teach other people the way of Jesus, to learn his way, but then to teach his way to other people. But as we sit with this long enough and go, wait a second, if I'm going to really step into that and follow Jesus in this and teach others his way, we're going to have some questions along the way. There's going to be questions like, okay, well, when does somebody begin teaching other people? When is the like kickoff for that? You know, uh, when, when are you, you know, ready or, you know, and then, and then what am I going to teach them? What's the, is there like a curriculum or is there a, a track? Like what, 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 what am I teaching somebody? And then, and then where do I even start? Where would I even begin with that? So first off, uh, when do you and I begin teaching other people the way of Jesus? Uh, a really helpful way to come at this is to recognize who we are in relation to Jesus. So if we follow Jesus, and that doesn't necessarily, that's not necessarily everybody in this room, some of us are, are checking this out, but when you've crossed the line of faith and you say, yeah, Jesus, I'm, I'm, all, about, I'm all about him and his way in the world, um, he's, he's saved me, he's my redeemer, he's my God, I'm following him, I want to become more like him. If that's you, then one of the words to describe you is a disciple. And um, the, 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 the original word, the Greek word is mathetes, which can mean uh, pupil, it can mean student, it can mean apprentice, but a, a disciple is a student. And, and the thing about being a student is that you're not an expert. You don't know everything. You're a learner. That's, that's the mode you're in right now. I am, I'm, 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 a, I'm a sponge, I'm taking all this in, I'm in learning mode, because I'm a student. You don't, if you're learning, then of course you don't know everything. Instead, it's going to be normal that you have questions. If you're learning, it also means that nobody expects you to do this perfectly. If you were an expert, sure, but I'm a learner? No, of course, I'm, I'm not going to get this perfect all the time. It's normal that you have questions, and it's normal that you're practicing. It's normal that you're trying this out and going, eh, I'm, I'm going to experiment with this or this or this, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not yet sure what this looks like. This is good news for me and you because it means that as learners, we don't have to be all-knowing, and it means we don't have to get this perfect. If, if you and I understand ourselves, I am a student, Jesus is the teacher, I'm a, I'm a student of this whole thing, then I'm always learning, I'm always practicing, I'm always going to have questions. This creates an environment as a church where we're a group of people where we try things, and yeah, sometimes we're going to make a mistake and go, eh, I want, you know, course correction, let's try this differently, it means we can learn from our mistakes. This means that we don't have to fake it till we make it when it comes to following Jesus. We're going, yeah, I'm not sure yet. Why? Because I'm a student. And because I'm a student, that means I'm a learner. It means I'm not an expert. Now, as I say that, is there anybody that that's a relief to know that you don't have to know everything and you don't have to do this perfectly? Anybody? Yeah, that's a relief. Yeah, sounds good. Sweet. Good. Yeah, me too. Are there any Jesus followers in your life that have been beating themselves up because <gasps> they have questions. There's things they don't know. Are there any Jesus followers in your life who've been beating themselves up because, oh man, I had to, I had to course correct. I didn't do something the right way. Well, you got, you've got some good news for them today. You can say, hey, don't take yourself so seriously. You're, you're a learner. You are a student. That's what it means to be a disciple. You're a pupil. You're an apprentice. You're not an expert. You can let them know, hey, relax. I've got some good news for you. Just put yourself in student mode. Tell yourself, I'm a learner. And with that comes questions. With that comes practicing. Here's something else. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples. All right, now, I, let's have a Bible nerd 
moment, all right? Can I nerd out on you? I have glasses, so it comes with the territory. Can I, can I nerd out on you guys? Yeah? Okay, great. I'm glad you said yes. I was going to nerd out regardless. I just wanted you to feel empowered with where, where we were going. Um, so the word go, it's a participle. And you're back in fifth grade English class, and you're like, wow, really glad I'm here today. Thanks, thanks. So um, participles, those are those words that usually end with I-N-G. Eating, sleeping, uh, driving. Uh, it's, it's not something that's already done in the past. It's not something you're going to do in the future. It's something that's going on right now. That's what a participle uh, is, is explaining and expressing. So when Jesus says go, he's actually saying going, but it's a little clunky. It's a little, that'd be a little funny if that's how it was in, in, your, in your Bible, and so it, it just says go, but it's actually going, or maybe you could say as you go. So you drop this into Jesus's call to us, and he's saying therefore going, therefore as you go on the way, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. Meaning what? Meaning teaching others is something that you and I do as we go. Because uh, I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, for disciples of Jesus, there is no graduation ceremony. There is no cap and gown moment where you walk across the stage and somebody gives you your discipleship diploma and now you can go make disciples. Um, if we had that moment, it was back in Matthew 28 when Jesus first said these words where he just said, I'm graduating you, but that pretty much that's, that's, that's been it. And why not? Because there's no graduates from the school of Jesus. We, we never reach a point where we know everything. We never reach a point where we get this perfectly because we're always a student. We're a student teacher maybe, but Jesus ultimately is the one that we're following. He's the one who knows where this thing's going. He knows where he's taking us. But we, don't, we never have a moment where we say, okay, that's it. I know everything. I know what to do. Um, this is an as-you-go kind of thing. Are, are you and I ever going to feel 100% ready to disciple somebody else? No. Uh, I, I seriously doubt it. If you do, I'm kind of worried about you because you're, you're going you're gonna to face some things where you're going to go, oops, wow, I actually don't know what I'm doing. Um, if, if Sarah and I, if we waited till we were ready to plant a new church, I don't think we would be here today because you, 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 you just don't feel ready for this. What, what, were, was there training for us? Yeah. Uh, are there people we can call on when we face something where we need some coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Do we know everything? No. Do, are we going to get it right all the time? Mm-mm. Definitely not. But this is an environment where we're going we're gonna to try some things out. Um, but we also can call on other people if we, if we need help. And it's the same for us as we follow Jesus. You and I, we are student teachers. We're the, maybe we're the TAs in the classroom, but we're not the experts. We're not the professionals in this. We can have questions. But, God forbid, what if you're discipling somebody and they ask you something you don't know? <gasps> All right, let's try, let's, let's try something. It's going to be good for us. We're going to say this out loud. We're, you're with your person that you're discipling. They ask you that question, and you have no idea. All right, here's what you say to them. I don't know. Let's try that. I don't know. Let me get back to you. How was that? How'd that feel? It's all right? It's all right? It's a little weird because, yeah, you know, sometimes we, we feel this pressure, like, I'll just make up an answer or something like that. It's really okay if you face something where you don't know to say, I don't know. Uh, let, me, let me get back to you. Because um, why? Because we're practicing. Because why? We're, we're not the experts. We're, we're students. 
But, okay, here's another scenario. What if you're discipling somebody and they're asking you to teach them something that's unfamiliar territory for you? Like, they go, hey, I'm seeing in here that a Christian is supposed to forgive people, and I just feel like God's been bringing to mind this relationship that I have where uh, I've got a—this person in my life has done some serious damage, but I feel like I'm supposed to reconcile, or I feel like I'm supposed to forgive. So, uh, discipler, how how do I do that? And you're like, "Uh, I— you know, maybe you'd say, I've, I've actually lived a pretty charmed life and a lot of healthy relationships, and uh, I either have not had the need to forgive somebody as deeply as you're going to have to forgive them, or shoot, I actually have some unforgiveness and bitterness in my own life, and I actually haven't obeyed Jesus in this either. Let's try something. It'll be good for us. Ready? I've never been here before. Let's walk this out together. You can be honest with them about that, and, and, and you can walk through this new territory together. And here's the other thing. We have each other in this. Discipleship is a group effort. This is a team sport. This is where we're helping each other. There are going to be moments where um, some, your questions and something that's new territory for you is not new territory for somebody else in this group, where you'll go, oh, you know what? so-and-so, I know with their background and their story, they have faced this, and they've come out on the other side, and I actually feel like they did it in a really Jesus-like way. Uh, I'm going to call them, or we're going to all get together with them, and we're going to interview them, and we're both going to learn from this person. You can, you can rely on, on their experience. So let's ask for help. As we go with all of our questions, and as we ourselves are practicing, practicing this, we're teaching others what we're learning about the way of Jesus. Now, are there going to be cases where we are like several steps of somebody uh, that we're discipling? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you go, yeah, I actually, I actually do know some things, and, and this person hasn't really stumped me yet, and I feel like I've got a lot of things to offer them. Are there going to be other cases where we're maybe like only like one or two steps ahead of somebody? Yeah, that's going to be the case too, depending on who it is that we're pouring into. Sometimes, as we're teaching others, we're going to have a lot to teach them, other times as we're, as we're discipling people, we're going to have a little bit to teach them. And either way, it's okay because we're living in obedience to Jesus who said, teach others. So whether I have a lot to teach you, whether I have a little, to, little bit to teach you, I go, you know what, regardless, this is what Jesus, my teacher, told me to do, and so I'm going to live in obedience to him. Because there's no better way to learn than knowing that I'm going to have to teach this to somebody else. This is the adventure that Jesus is calling us into as a church. It's time to get out of our spectator seats and actually get into the game to take up our part in the story. It's time to obey Jesus. If you're looking for a, big, a place to start, a big part of teaching is simply just sharing something that God's teaching you right now. It doesn't have to be that hard. Just out of your own story, your own experience, you can just, in conversation with somebody, just to go, yeah, here's something that God's doing in my life. Here's what I'm learning from that. And, and you pass that along. When we learn something, about following the way of Jesus, we just pass that along to somebody else. It can be that simple. It can be, that can be a great starting point. But here's the thing. Here's what Jesus did not say. You will never find a scripture verse about this where Jesus says, okay, get all your people to these church gatherings and then have your pastor disciple them. Jesus never said that. But that's how, that's, that's a, a lot of the ways that, that, that Christians can do things in church is to go, okay, I did my part. I got them to their seat. They got their kids checked in. We got our coffee and donuts. Okay, pastor, uh, disciple us. Ready? Go. There's, you're never going to find Jesus saying that. Now, I will teach you, 
because I, I love these times with you. It is so much fun for me. Uh, there's so many other parts to my job that I need to do and I need to spend time on, but when it comes to preparing this time with you guys, like you couldn't, you don't have to twist my arm. I love this. I love thinking about all this and, and digging and finding stuff. But teaching others the way of Jesus is a calling from Jesus that all of us share if we're his disciples. And until we step into that calling, we're missing out on the Christian life. Is this why things have felt kind of dry lately for you? Is this why things have felt kind of pointless, kind of empty, kind of just meh? Maybe it wasn't the season. Maybe it's not the fact that it's kind of foggy outside today. Maybe the fog is bigger than that, and it's like, it's at one point Jesus actually had called us into that, and we hit the brakes and we're like, Ugh, I'm not ready, or I need this, or this, or that. I'll leave that to somebody else. Maybe that's part of why you're feeling the way you're feeling right now because we haven't said yes to our adventure. We've said no or somebody else. But what if today we said yes? What could change? What could open up for us? Let's, um, if you're new, this is something we do from time to time. It's just, a, I think you guys are the best part of reunion, so it's fun for you guys to get to meet each other. So from time to time, we, we group up and just talk about this before we go any further, just kind of come up for air, meet some people, process this. So um, let's get together with like two, other, two or three other people, and here's some questions to get you going. Um, what, what holds you back when it comes to teaching others? And when was the last time you passed something that you learned about Jesus along to somebody else? Okay, so let's circle up, get some names real quick, and then uh, talk about some things along these lines. Ready? Go. When does somebody begin to teach others? Well, um, we, we are student teachers. We, don't, we, we never really graduate. We're, we're, we're doing this as we go, um, as, as a student teacher. Uh, but now, what, what are we teaching other people? Like, what's the, what's the curriculum? What's the path? What's the, you know? So let me, let me hear you say this phrase. Uh, learn Christ. That, that, that expression, uh, learn Christ, that's not normally how, how we talk, but, uh, but that was a really common expression in the, er, in the early church. Um, what's different, and, and I, I actually, this is not rhetorical, I'd love to, I'd love to hear it. What, what's, what's different about saying learn Christ instead of learn about Christ? What's, what's the difference, difference there that you can feel? Learn Christ versus learn about Christ. What's, what's different? Relationship, action, yeah? Personal. Personal, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like facts or something, or something like that, but it's actually, yeah, you, you cut out the word about, and then all of a sudden there's a, there's a relationship we're talking about. Yeah, if, you, if I said uh, anybody who's uh, married in this room or anybody who's got a best friend, if I said learn them, uh, that's very different from learn about them. We're, we're asking you to, 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 to go deep, to get personal, to, to really get to know that person. It's not just at like a, a trivia level. So in the early days of the church, to go through, we, we use the term conversion, to go through conversion in the early church, there was this whole, uh, there's this whole process of months, even years, where you would deny other gods, other allegiances, to say, no, God alone is my life's authority. And then you entered into this period of catechism where other people were helping you to discover the person and the life of Jesus. And you would, you would try this out. You would practice his way and you would integrate it into your life. And then after months, maybe even a year, then you'd be baptized in front of your whole church community and everybody knew, okay, this person is no longer a, a catechumenate. That's not how we, we talk, but that's a mouthful. But this person is now, they're a full-fledged member of this community. They've tried out the way of Jesus. They've been working this and integrating this into their life. And now they've, they've crossed the line of faith. And this is so different 
from how Christians nowadays do conversion. The, the early church, you could say they marinated new Christians. Nowadays, we microwave them. Churches will offer like a six-week discipleship class, and then after that, cool, I discipled you. I did my job. But, but the first church knew that not everybody was up for this. What Jesus is calling us to is a completely different way of life that challenges and changes everything, that flips it all upside down. We're making a clean break from the old so that we can learn Christ. How long does it take to learn Christ, to get a really good look at Jesus and try out his way of life and to break with the old? I don't think that's something that you just knock out in a six-week class. How long does it take to learn Christ? Well, it depends. Do you like a steak that's been marinated or microwaved? How's that? What, you're going to notice the taste. You're going to notice the difference. If we rush somebody through this process, are they really going to make it? Are they going to have a faith that lasts? Will it be a life that actually looks like Jesus, or is the transformation really just kind of at a surface level? Maybe the question we should be asking as we disciple other people and as we ourselves are, are being discipled is, who are we becoming as we follow Jesus? Like, follow this all the way down, down to the end of the road. Where are we leading people as we teach them to follow Jesus? Here's, here's what C.S. Lewis had to say. He said, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ and to make them little Christs. If they're not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It's even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. It says in the Bible that the whole universe was made for Christ and that everything is going to be gathered together in him. Now, little Christ might be a new or strange way. You might even be like, is that a heretical way to describe like what it means to be a Christian? But that's, that's actually literally exactly what it means, the word Christian, a little Christ. We, we, did not, we were not the first people to call ourselves Christians. Uh, in, in the beginning of the story, we called ourselves followers of the way. Christian was a label that outsiders slapped on us, and it was kind of a jab, like, oh, you think you're like a little Christ, aren't you? Uh, and then kind of after a while, I don't know, it just stuck. We're like, yeah, yeah, you know what? That, I'll, I'll take that, sure. Because you never get to pick your own nicknames, unfortunately. Um, but I think you'd agree. The world could use more of Jesus. And, and what's Jesus' plan to do exactly that? He, he has these churches that are forming people into little Christ all over the world. That's, that's his plan. That's how he wants to do that. And he has no plan B. We are plan A to do that. We're teaching people to learn Christ for at least two reasons. One, so that we can be growing closer to Jesus. We want to form this intimacy relationship with God where we're learning to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We're recognizing God's presence in the world and through his words. And also to help us imitate Jesus. If we're becoming little Christ, we need to know Jesus's heart so that we, we know how to respond in a way that Jesus would respond in different situations we find ourselves in. So where do we start? First of all, I'm just going to say this again and again and again, together. We do this together. This is, a, this is a team sport, but we walk this out with other people, another person or maybe in a community group. You can use uh, the, the sermon notes guide here, and there's like a little community group guide here and, and things like that. You could, you could just start with this 
as a guide for sharing what you're learning. And there's always a question in there about, hey, how are you integrating this into your life? Not just like what facts did you memorize, but like what's changing? And you have a group of people who are asking you, hey, how's that going? The things that God put on your heart, how you were being called to respond. You've got people around you. You've got a bunch of different eyes on you helping you in this. But then together, uh, marinate in one of the four gospel accounts about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and make notes in the story. Maybe do a question mark and an exclamation mark. Do a question mark anywhere that there's something where you're like, what's up with that? Why did Jesus say that? Why that phrase? That's weird. Make question marks where where stuff jumps out at you where, where you've got a question. And then exclamation marks. If something's inspiring or exciting or intriguing, just go, ooh, good stuff here. And then when you get together with other Jesus followers, share your exclamation marks and question marks with them, and they'll share theirs. But then together, also, get some background on Jesus. Um, there's people who've done all this work to get, help you get to know the background and the backstory of what the whole world or, was like before and around and after Jesus, that then all of a sudden certain things that he sa- says and does takes on whole, a whole new weight and significance. So some good places to start, uh, Simply Jesus by N.T. Wright, Who is Jesus by Daryl Johnson, The Jesus I Never Knew by Philip Yancey. Um, those would be some great places to start. Um, also, together, watch some movies about Jesus with other people and talk about what was helpful for you. Sometimes a director or writer will cast things in a certain light where you'll go, I never thought about that situation. I never thought about it from that angle. Um, sometimes things in the movie, you'll go, I don't remember Jesus saying that. I don't remember that happening. Um, and it, what's great is it sends you back into the scriptures to see for yourself. So uh, actually this Friday, we're going to do that last one uh, together. On your, on your seat, there's a whole bunch of different um, experiments we've been doing as a community. There's this card that says special events, and the, the middle one there, we got movie night this Friday. We're going to be watching um, a recent release, Mary Magdalene, uh, at Temescal Commons, just a few blocks from here, and, um, and bring epic movie snacks, please, uh, to share. Uh, this, is not, this is not like the Passion of the Christ where the uh, kind of noise in the background would be really inappropriate and weird and you'd be like, I'm actually not hungry right now in light of what's happening on the screen. Um, bring epic movie snacks to share. Um, this, is, this is a cool one. Um, this is going to be one that sends you back into the Gospels to go, wait, did Jesus say that? Did that happen? Um, so let's get a sneak preview right now. All right, so yeah, it's, um, it's, it's going to be a good one, guys, and uh, feel free to bring friends, bring movie snacks. Um, it is rated R, so if you've got kids, um, yeah, you want to do a babysitter kind of situation or whatever, and, and if that is you, um, let us know. We actually uh, have a, a babysitting option possible at Temescale Commons, and would love to, you know, you could bring your kids there, and they'll just be, you know, a few steps away, but not watching a rated R movie, all right? So, uh, so when does someone begin teaching others? Well, we're all, we're all student teachers. We're doing this as we go. What are we teaching others? We're learning Christ. We are helping people to become little Christs. But now, uh, where do we start? And, uh, and here's, what, here's what we got to remember when it comes to discipleship and devoting ourselves to teaching. Um, the scriptures are really central in this. But, but, you and I know a lot of people who know a lot of Bible verses, and they look nothing like Jesus. Uh, this is what Jesus told the Bible experts of his day. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. It's very possible to forget that when it comes to discipleship and devoting ourselves to teaching, we can forget what the scriptures are for. We are not here 
to fall in love with a book. We are here because we have fallen in love with a person. Discipleship begins with desire. Now think about, think about what it was that first drew you to Jesus, if that's part of your story. What was it? What was it about Jesus that you knew, I can let my guard down? What was it that let you know, that let you, knew, you, let you know, I, I, I can trust this person? When was, when was that moment when he just fascinated you? Something he said, something he did, where you're like, there's, there's nobody like this person anywhere else. I've never met, learned about anybody like this before. What, what was mysterious? What was alluring? What was good about Jesus? We're not here to just know what Jesus knows. We're not even here just to do the things that Jesus did. We are here to become what Jesus is. The world needs this. This is Jesus' mission. This is his plan to gather all things up into himself, is to form all these people who look like him, who have his heart and are carrying that heart into every part of the world. Discipleship is about being people who have a fire in our chest, this deep desire to become just like our rabbi, Jesus. But maybe, just maybe, uh, lately you'd say, yeah, the, the fire has kind of gone out lately. I, I, don't, I don't have that craving, that desire. I, I, I remember times when it was like that, but it hasn't been that way for a while. If that's you, the, the temptation is to cover up that lack of desire with lots of things that feel spiritual, lots of Bible time, lots of ritual, lots of just external things, and we're hoping that, you know, if I do enough of those things, maybe my heart will catch up. But more Bible and more ritual, apart from the person of Jesus, apart from the person they're supposed to point us to, that turns you into a Pharisee. That doesn't turn you into Jesus. If, if you're discipling others and you are not pointing them to a person, then just more Bible is not going to turn them into somebody who looks like Jesus. That's going to turn them into a Pharisee. Somebody who can read the scriptures and Jesus would say, these things are pointing to me. It's pointing to me. You think you can get life from this book, but you were meant to get it from me. Earlier, uh, Peter talked to us about our cravings, and he said, now that you've, you've tasted that the Lord is good, he wants us to know this is about desire. But maybe some of us, we've lately would say, yeah, I've, I've lost the craving. I've lost the desire. I've lost my appetite. Maybe, maybe my appetite has changed and I, I, I desire other things other than the voice of God. You don't have to beat yourself up about that. Just be honest. God can work with that kind of honesty. He loves to work with that kind of honesty. His, the greatest sermon ever, he starts off with, blessed are the poor in spirit. Translation, blessed are the people who say, I don't have what it takes to do the whole God life thing. Jesus says, uh, congratulations, I can work with that. God can work with people who are honest with him. We can pray, God, I don't, I don't desire you right now, but would you give me the desire to desire you? Can we try praying those words right now? God, I don't desire you right now, but would you give me the desire to desire you? Jesus wants to heal and renew our desire. That's where it starts. 